Jesus, we lift up your name. We are so, so glad we are here today to worship you, Jesus. Bless your people. We ask it in Jesus' name. If you could stand just for a moment out of respect to the word of God. I know more people will be working their way back in the sanctuary momentarily. Uh, but we're looking at Mark chapter 5. And I, I really feel, um, I hope I always feel that I have heard from the Lord. But in this case this morning, I really feel like I have heard from the Lord. And the Lord wants to really minister to somebody this morning and bless you. And God wants to help whatever situation you're going through. Mark chapter 5, we're going to start reading at verse 1. And I'm going to read down to verse 7. I'm going to continue reading after that, but we'll pray and uh, let you be seated after that. So Mark chapter 5, starting at verse 1. It says, And they came over unto the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met, there met him out of the tombs, or out of the graves, out of the graveyard, a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him not with chains, because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder, asunder or broke apart, broken apart by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying, cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him and cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. From these scriptures and a few more that I'm going to be reading in a moment, I want to preach about the God of lost causes, the God of lost causes. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you've allowed us to be in your house to worship you in spirit and in truth. Thank you that your presence has been here in such a powerful and a marvelous way. You know, we, are, we feel already, Lord, that you've already done a work in many lives, and I'm asking that you would continue that work. In the name of Jesus Christ, everybody said amen. All right, you may be seated. Uh, continuing reading, if you have your Bible open still, if you don't, of course, it's going to be on the screen. It continues on in verse 8. It says, For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. So in verse 7, I want to remind you that that spirit, when, when the man came, when he saw Jesus coming, he ran, the Bible says, and came to him. And in verse 7, he says, and crowd with a loud, cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. So uh, that spirit was, in a sense, praying or asking the Lord not to torment him. Verse 8, it says, For he said unto him, Come out of the man. Jesus said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. Now, there was, in verse 11 it says, Now, uh, there was there, nigh into the mountains, a great herd of swine or pigs feeding. 
And all the devils besought him, saying, Send us unto the swine, that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave. And the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. There were about 2,000 and were choked in the sea. Verse 14, it says, And they that fed the swine fled and told the city, uh, told in the city and in the country that they went out to see what it was, uh, what it was that was done. Verse 15, And they came to Jesus and see him and, uh, that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And they saw it and told them how it befell unto him that was possessed of the devil and also concerning the swine. Verse 17, and they began to pray him to depart out of their coast. Verse 18, and when he was come unto the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Howbeit Jesus suffered him, but said unto him, go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath compassion on thee. And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him. And all men did marvel. That's a long portion of scripture to read. But it tells a story, a very powerful and a very important story in scripture about a man that had been possessed, tormented, when we consider the people around wherever he was and what they thought about him, they absolutely believed that this was a man that was a lost cause. I wonder if there's anybody here today that is in a situation, something you're going through right now, that you feel like it's a lost cause, it's hopeless, it's beyond fixing it's beyond repair if there's anyone here today that has felt like giving up or quitting then I am going to just go ahead and tell you that you are my target this morning because God wants to touch your life thinking about this man from the Gadarenes he had been a long time ago people had given up on this man he was tormented he was possessed, he was lost, he was dangerous. They tried to tie him up with ropes and with chains and with fetters. Fetters are ankles that they will put around, or chains they will put around the ankles. He lived in the tombs, he literally terrorized people. As they would come by anywhere near him, he would scream and cry and chase them. and He would terrorize people. And they were afraid of him. He was possessed with what the Bible says is a legion of devils. Now, in the Roman army, a legion could be as many as 5,000 men. We don't know how many devils he was possessed with. But we do know that when Jesus cast them out, that those devils went into a herd of 2,000 pigs, 2,000 swine, and they ran down the cliff and they drowned. 
in Mark 5 and 13, it says the herd ran. This is the latter part of the verse. It says the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea, and there were about 2,000. That were, and they were choked in the sea. So I'm not going to tell you that there was 2,000 devils in the man. It's likely that there could have been. Or it could have been three or four or 5,000. We don't really know. We just know the Bible says that it was a legion. Or that there were many that were, that were in that man. And I don't think it's any coincidence that 2,000 pigs were sweet, they were feeding on the hillside close to him. And when Jesus said, go to them, that 2,000 of them ran down the hill and were choked in the sea. I submit to you that these were demons of suicide. And the reason I believe that is because the moment the devil went into them, the moment those demons went into the swine, they ran violently down the hill and they committed suicide. I'm here to let somebody know that 2,000 devils couldn't cause a man to kill himself. 2,000 devils couldn't destroy a man. Yes, they tormented him. Yes, they bothered him. But 2,000 devils could not cause him to commit suicide. And I'm going to go ahead and boldly proclaim it here today I, I curse amen the, the thought of suicide in an individual's life right now I bind it by the authority of the name of Jesus Christ I plead the blood of Jesus if the, if the spirit of suicide is upon you I claim it right now in the name of Jesus that it will be completely removed from your life would somebody shout yes so how, however many demons were in that man, 2,000 pigs were killed. Psalm chapter 88, verses 1 through 4, it says, O Lord God of my salvation, I have cried day and night before thee. Let my prayer come before thee. Incline my ear or lean your ear unto my cry. For my soul is full of troubles. My life draweth nigh unto the grave. I am counted with them that go down into the pit. I am as a man that hath no strength. Now, I don't always refer to other uh, variations of Scripture, but I was very intrigued by what this same verse, verse 4 says, Psalm 88 and verse 4 says in the message translation. It reads like this, I am written off as a lost cause, no more statistic, I am a hopeless case, that's what it says, I am written off as a lost cause, and I want to tell somebody this morning, stop letting the devil lie to you, you are not a lost cause, if, you're, if there is breath in your lungs, that there is hope, somebody needs to hear this preacher this morning, if there is breath in your lungs there is hope if there's a circumstance you're going through right now that by all ways it is laid out all ways you can think of it it is hopeless but I want to remind you we serve a God that can give you hope even in a hopeless situation oh come on somebody help me I hope you're going to help me preach this morning thank you Jesus Amen. God does not look at people 
And God does not look at situations as being hopeless. Because with God, there is always hope. Somebody shout, yes. Now the writer of this psalm felt it, felt so lost, so much in despair, that he said, I am written off as a lost cause. He's basically saying, I'm just one more statistic. I'm just one more hopeless case. In Luke chapter 15, there's a parable. And in that parable, we're not going to read it today. But in Luke chapter 15, there is a parable about a lost sheep, a lost coin, and a lost son. We need to be reminded today that even those things which are lost, God is looking for them. Whether it is a lost sheep, a lost coin, or a lost son. Jesus had a lot of things to say about the Pharisees and the religious elite who used their religion as a disguise. Their religion, hear me, their religion labeled people as sinners and as reprobates and as lost causes. I want to say that again. Their religion labeled people as sinners, reprobates, and lost causes. Their disdain for people was astounding. It was bothersome. Their disdain for people, in fact, most people in general, labeled them as hopeless. But I am so glad for the ministry of Jesus when he came and began to minister to people that they labeled as reprobates, that they labeled as hopeless, that they labeled as lost. And Jesus went to dinner with them. And Jesus met with them. And Jesus ministered to them. God help us if we ever become a church or a religion that labels people as lost causes. I don't know if anybody's heard it recently. I, I usually listen to WTIC on the radio. And I don't know if it's on other stations, but if I'm not listening to that, I listen to one of the Christian stations. But I like listening to the news stations sometime, and they have had lately an advertisement on there. It is an advertisement from a company called 1-800-GOT-JUNK. I don't know if you've heard it. But the ad talks about how that you should not be embarrassed about how weird your junk is. Or how strange your trash is. That's the context of the ad. The idea is that people won't throw out their trash because they don't want somebody to come and pick it up because it's just too weird. And so they actually direct people to their website with the idea that go look at our website and see the kinds of weird stuff that we have thrown out for other people. And so your trash is not as weird as you think it is. As if trash or junk is just not is just somehow just so awful or so strange that you would be embarrassed if anybody else saw it. 
Let's just kind of leave that there for a moment. But Jesus built a ministry on lost causes. Amen? Check out the disciples. They were not graduates from Urshan Graduate School of Theology. In fact, when you look at their lives, they were fishermen. They were tax collectors. There was a thief among them. There was a zealot, a political anarchist. There were extremists and militant fanatics amongst his disciples. In 1 Corinthians 1, 26 through 29, it says, For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, the base things of the world, and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, the things which are not, to bring to naught the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. God loves taking nothing and making something out of it. God loves taking someone that the world has discarded as hopeless and turning their life around and anointing them and blessing them and calling them. I don't know if you're still with me this morning, but God loves to take nothing and making something out of it. God told the prophet Jeremiah in the Old Testament, he told him to go to the potter's house. And in Jeremiah chapter 18, verse, 20, verse 2, it says, Arise and go to the potter's house, and there I will cause thee to hear my words. And if you follow the story, the potter is making a vessel. And in the process of making that vessel, there was something wrong with it, and he had to start all over again. Many people come to God, and they are broken and they are hurt, and they are shattered. Many doubt that God is interested in them. Many doubt that God is willing to help their circumstance and their situation. We as a church must understand that we cannot look at people whom, whom Jesus has died for and to even imagine them as being hopeless or helpless even if they come here stoned out of their mind or drunken out of their mind, uh, there's still hope. Uh, uh, somebody needs to hear this. Uh, we cannot be a church uh, that writes people off uh, as being hopeless. No matter how many times we've tried to help, no matter how many times we've tried to minister to them, no matter how many times we've tried to encourage them, if it seems like we're constantly hitting up against a cement wall, listen to me, hear me today, it is never hopeless, it is never helpless, because we serve a God that can literally do anything. If he can speak the worlds into existence out of nothing, if he can create the universe out of nothing, that he can take a broken individual and he can and fix them. Amen. 
We have got to understand this. We have got to get this in our minds and in our hearts as a church. Help us never get to the place where somebody walks through the door and we kind of look at them and say, oh, my. Listen, when I, when, I walked, when I first walked through the doors of the church, I guarantee you they looked at me as like, wow. Long hair down past my shoulders, trying my best to be a hippie freak. I didn't, you know, when I walked through the door, I want to tell you, I smelled like cigarette smoke. I had hair down past my shoulders. You wouldn't know that today. I'm just hoping that no more falls out. But I walked into the church, and they shook my hand, and they welcomed me, and they greeted me. In fact, they, they made it so comfortable. Actually, let me say it like this. They were trying to make it so comfortable that it was uncomfortable. I'm just sharing with you how, I mean, they were shaking my, hey, we're glad you're here. We're glad you're here. We're glad you're here. I'm thinking, like, what's wrong with these people? Now, I'm, I'm glad I felt wel- welcome and when, when I left the church. I was telling everybody saying, you're going to come back, right? Yes, I'm going to come back. You're going to come back, right? Yes, I'm going to come back. And as soon as we got in the car, I told my mom, I'm never going back to that place. (laughs) What God is looking for is people who know that they are forgiven, unworthy, but forgiven. Did you hear that? He is looking people who are forgiven. And if you're not forgiven yet, you can be. But he is looking for people who are forgiven and know that they are unworthy. That's me. I'm unworthy of his forgiveness, but I am grateful for it. People who aren't trying to build up their own kingdom, they're trying to build up his kingdom. People who depend upon him for their strength, and for their life. People who pray to get instruction from God, not people who try to tell God what he needs to do. God chooses humility over pride and availability over ability. In 2 Corinthians 4 and 7 it says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. I've been in the church long enough, and I, uh, I know we've got new people here today, so please don't be distraught by this thought. But I've been in the church long enough. I've been in this organization long enough, and I've seen other organizations long enough to see superstars come crashing down because we edify them. We have got to work out of that. I have seen too many times when preachers and individuals and ministries are put up on a pedestal because of the results that they get. And I'm not denying results. And I'm not denying what God can do. But the minute you start thinking it's you and not God, the minute you start thinking it's your talents and not God's blessings, then you are set up for a failure. When we praise God, I mean, when we praise people instead of God, we are missing it. 
And it bothers me when, 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 when practice is more important than prayer, when production is more important than praise, uh, then, then we've turned down the wrong road. Now, I believe in practice, and I believe in doing things as well as we can, uh, but we have got to build our ministry, whether it's music ministry or preaching or Sunday school or ushering or, or, or greeting or, or, or cleaning the church or anything that it might be. We've got to build it upon prayer. We've got to build it upon the relationship with God. If we are building it upon talent, we are building it and going down the wrong road. It is a dangerous place when we do that. Building the Old Testament tabernacle in the wilderness, we see in Exodus chapter 31, verses 1 through 3, it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, See, I have called by name Bazel, how do we pronounce that name? The son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. Notice verse 3. I have filled him with, my, or with the Spirit of God. He says, I have filled him with the Spirit of God. I have filled him with wisdom and understanding and in the knowledge in all manner of workmanship. What God is saying is... I have put my spirit in him. I have put wisdom and understanding in him. And he's going to be the man that is going to direct the building of the tabernacle. God had Moses use people who had he, whom he had filled with his spirit and with wisdom to build the tabernacle. Unfortunately, we, many churches in general, I'm speaking, Thankfully, not ours, but often do it backwards. We look for talent instead of anointing. I've got to be a little careful in how to say this, but I, I feel like I'm going to say it. I have gone to some meetings when I have seen people leading worship and involved with choirs and even in the pulpit that their lives don't line up the way they should. And it bothers me. Now, I'm not judge and jury. Did you hear that? I said, I'm not judge and jury. And that is not necessarily my place. But if somebody is not living right, even if they are talented, I have seen people living lifestyles that are so contrary to the word of God, but yet we honor them by allowing them to do things that their life should not allow. I'm trying to be very kind and cautious. But we should not allow it. Now, that being said, we cannot set ourselves up as judge and jury. And we cannot set ourselves up as Pharisees and as Sadducees. However, we have also got to be careful because God's church is holy. God is holy. His people are holy. His people are righteous. Now, we need to understand that God called people that were broken. He, got, he called people that were messed up. And that's true, very true, of even our church, that God has called people who were messed up 
but he can turn them around and change them. Noah was a drunk. Abraham was too old. Isaac was a daydreamer. Jacob was a liar. Leah was ugly. Joseph was abused. Moses had a stuttering problem. Gideon was afraid. Samson had long hair and was a womanizer. Rahab was a prostitute. Jeremiah was too young. David was an adulterer, not to mention a murderer. Elijah was suicidal. uh, Isaiah preached naked. How many are thankful? That's not going to happen. God have mercy. Jonah ran from God. Naomi was a widow. Job went bankrupt. uh, John the Baptist ate bugs. Andrew lived in the shadows of his brother. Peter denied Christ. All of the disciples fell asleep while praying and ran away when Jesus needed them the most. That's a reality. But look how God changed their lives. Look how powerful they came and became as a witness, as preachers and teachers and leaders. God can take that which is broken. God can take that which is impossible. God can take that which is messed up, and he can turn it around. Would somebody shout hallelujah? Hallelujah. Our God is the God of lost causes. When we look at the demoniac of Gadara, he was as lost as could be. He was a lost cause. People wrote him off. But when he came to Jesus, Jesus cast the demons out of him. And the next time we see him, he's clothed and he's, right, he's in his right mind. But the story does not end there. You need to hear this. He's sitting there hearing the ministry and the teaching of Jesus. And the people of the city come and they are freaked out. They are messed up in their heads because their pigs are dead. Shows us what we place our priority in sometimes when pigs are more important than people. And so this man is sitting clothed and in his right mind and being ministered to by the Lord. And they, the people come and say, we want you to leave our coasts. We want you to leave. We want you out of here. You killed our pigs. We want you gone. And so Jesus and his disciples go to the ship. And as they're getting in the ship, the man whom he just cast out a legion of devils said, I want to go with you. Here's the ministry of Jesus right here. Jesus said, no, I don't want you to come with me. I want you to go back to your city. I want you to go back to your friends. Uh, I want you to go back to your co-workers. I want you to go back to your neighbors uh, and tell them what I have done for you. That's what the ministry of Jesus Christ is all about. Taking broken people, taking lost people, taking lost causes uh, and fixing them and saying, now I want you to be an evangelist. 
Amen. That's what it's about. 1 Corinthians 1.25 says, Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Verse 14, uh, 1 Corinthians 12.14 says, But the natural man receiveth not the Spirit of God, uh, for they are the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are not uh, spirit, or they are spiritually discerned. Uh, there is no such thing. Hear me. There is no such thing as a lost cause. There is always hope. When I was sitting or standing back here during the worship service, I was looking out uh, at this audience, and in this audience there's at least four or five people that you believe right now uh, that you are either in or you personally are a lost cause, uh, and God showed me you. I could walk up to you right now and put my hand on your shoulder and tell you that you need to stop listening to the voice of the devil. You need to stop living, listening uh, to the voice of flesh. Uh, hear me. You are not hopeless. Uh, don't turn me off. Don't turn me out right now. You are not a lost cause. You might be in a desperate situation. And you might be in a situation and going through something right now where in your mind you're thinking this is impossible. But with God, what? All things are possible. I have seen people who have been written off by the world, changed by the power of God. We serve, listen to me, we serve a God of lost causes. Now I want to show you something. And there's a word here we're going to focus on in a minute, but in 1 Corinthians 6, starting at verse 9, it says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. But it doesn't stop there. <laughs> it names all the stuff that has happened in the church and is happening in the church. It named all the stuff that happened in people's lives and is happening in, in people's lives. But I love verse 11. And such were some of you. But you are washed. But you are sanctified. But you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus by the Spirit of our God. I want you to do something with me this morning. I want you to shout at the top of your lungs. As loud as you can, the word were, at the count of three, one, two, three, were. You might have been that in the past, but you don't have to be that in the future. You might have been a drunkard. You might have been an idolater. You might have been an adulterer. You might have been effeminate, false accusers or abusers of themselves. You might have been thieves or covetous or drunkards or revilers or extortioners. But if you were that, you don't have to be that anymore. 
If you have a Bible, you ought to underline, highlight, do whatever you can do, but you ought to underline that word because that word word simply means that there's hope. There's people that are serving God and doing a great work today that other people have written off and said their lost causes, there's no help for them, but somebody needs to help me today. Somebody needs to help this preacher this morning when I need you to understand and know that no matter how your life started, it doesn't mean that it has to end that way. Wherever you are right now doesn't mean you have to walk out those doors the same way. My God is able. People need to understand that they can repent. They can tell God they're sorry. They can ask him for forgiveness. Uh, and he will wipe the, sake, the slate clean. Uh, I wish I had a slate board up here today with all kinds of sins and things written all over it. Uh, so I could give you a a visible uh, idea of what God does. Uh, he takes that big heavenly eraser and just erases all the things uh, that were a part of your past. Uh, if you have asked the Lord to forgive you, uh, amen, if you have repented of your sins, uh, then God forgets your past. One of our greatest problems is that we can't forget our pasts. When God has has ripped the pages out of the book in heaven and said they are no longer this and they are no longer that and they no, I'm not holding them account for this anymore and I'm not holding them account for that anymore and the slate is clean in the eyes of God but we ourselves too often hold ourselves to things that God has already forgiven us for. We need to get beyond that uh, because if you really ever want to do something for God you have got to know if you've asked the Lord to forgive you, then you are forgiven. No ifs, no ands, no buts about it. You're forgiven. The slate is clean. You're washed. You are white as snow, the Bible says. You are made holy and righteous in the eyes of God. Amen. How many of you, when you were younger, never saw yourself truly, truly serving God? Some of you might be there now. When you were younger, the last thing on your mind was God. That was me. There are many here right now that are amazed at where you are and what God has done in your life. And for me, I'm alive, I'm serving God. But I want you to know this. If I had kept going down the path that I was going as a teenager, I doubt I would have made my 30s. You can ask my sister's here. You can ask her. She doesn't even know a fraction of what I did. But she knows enough about me to know that it's a miracle that I'm standing here today. I was as lost as lost could be. I was as lost a cause as could be. But yet God decided to steer me away from that. Uh, there were so many times I should have died. I mean, I did some really stupid stuff as a kid. Nobody else, nobody else ever probably did stupid stuff. I mean, I, you know, I, I mean, I just, I got to tell you this one. As a when we were just young, there was a there was a big there were some woods near our house, and I don't know why we had the idea, but we took an axe with us and we decided we were uh, that we were going to take turns climbing a tree, 
and chopping it down while somebody was up in the tree. Now you're all looking at me like, man, that guy's nuts. <laughs> Brother Brown, you probably never did anything like that. But, you know, we would climb the tree. We'd, we'd do most of the chopping so that the guy didn't have to wait up there too long. And we'd get the tree almost chopped through, and then the guy would climb the tree, and then we'd finish chopping the tree and ride it down. <laughs> By the way, some of moms are shaking their heads. Listen, if there's any teenagers here, don't do that. Okay? Don't, just don't do that. I mean, you know, I, I, I would ride. I had, a, I had a dirt bike. I would ride it on the icy streets in the snow. It was a blast. You're right. I mean, a two-wheel dirt bike. You're going down the, 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 the road, and the thing is fishtailing like this and fishtailing like that. And then it falls on you when you hear this clunk, clunk, clunk going, and you realize it's your foot. All kinds of really dumb, stupid stuff. I mean, I, it's a miracle I'm standing here today. I'll never forget one of those trees that I was in when they chopped it down. It actually twisted, and instead of riding it on top of the tree, I was underneath it, and the tree was coming down on top of me. It's a miracle that I'm here today. It really is. And, and again, you know, you can ask my sister. She only knows probably 5% of what I did. I did some really, really dumb stuff. Uh, and and so, so it's a miracle that I am here. But whoever you are and whatever you have done, Jesus can change you. Amen. He can give you hope. He can give you peace instead of despair and lowliness. He can, he can help you trade your sin for salvation. And he can trade, help you trade lost for found. Jesus told the parable of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. And here is what interesting is very interesting. And although I didn't talk at length about the prodigal son, I read this the other day, and I thought it was excellent. The difference between mercy and grace. Mercy gave the prodigal son a second chance. Grace gave him a feast. That's really good. Mercy gave the prodigal son a second chance. Grace gave him a feast. Jesus told the, the story. I wrote this. I put this on, on Facebook a few weeks ago. Jesus told the story of the prodigal son to make a point. Never mind what you've done. Just come If our musician would come, no matter what you've done, just come home. That's the reason he told the story. That's the reason he penned the word, had the words penned. So people would understand that there is always hope. When it seems like there is no hope, there is hope. And wherever you are today, and I know 
that that uh, because of some of the conversations with some of you, the desperate situations you're in, but I also know the God that we serve, and I have seen him turn things around time and time and time again. Our God is awesome. He is the God of lost causes, and if you're in a lost cause, I hope you would do me a favor and you a favor today, and when these altars are open in just a moment, to come and give it to God. I would ask you to stand with me here this morning. There's two things I'm going to ask for this morning in this altar call. And I want you to hear this. There's two things I want to happen here, two things I'm looking for. The first is those who want to let God use them even though they don't feel worthy. I want you to come to the altar this morning. And those who need God to change them, those who want to come home, I want you to know that this altar is open for you this morning. If you want to let God use you even though you feel unworthy, precious saint of God, let me just say it like this, you'll probably never feel worthy. Is this way with Brother Brown and other ministers. But every time I step behind this pulpit, in the back of my mind is I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. So those of you who want to let God use you, even though you don't feel worthy, this altar is open. Those of you that need God to change your life or your situation, this altar is open. We serve the God of lost causes. Don't walk away from this house the same way you came. Don't walk away from this place going through the same old, same old, same old. There's a God in heaven that's calling your name right now. If you could hear it, if God's voice could somehow reverberate all over the sound, the sound waves or through this microphone, he would be calling you. He would be wooing you, pulling you, telling you that you are not as lost a cause as you think you are. Though your situation might be desperate, God is great and he is able to turn your situation around. So I beg you this morning, would you hear the voice of God that is calling you? Would you hear the drawing of the Lord that is trying to pull you unto himself? We serve a God of lost causes. Musicians are going to sing. Is there anybody that wants to come and talk to the Lord? He is, he is the God of lost causes. You thought I was worth saving. So you we need some ladies that could come help us pray, please. Some man that could help us come.
Keep leading worship, but there's still somebody in the audience. Somebody that has not yet come up here. We're not going to make you come up. It's not very often that you come to the altar, but the Lord just wants me to make another poem. The Lord wants me to just ask you once again. You're in a situation where you're in a rock. You're you're between a rock and a hard place. You're struggling with things. You're battling with things. You're wondering if you could ever do anything for God or for His kingdom. He's asking one more time, would you give Him the chance? Would you give Him the chance this morning? Would you just give Him the chance to help you? Would you give Him the chance to encourage you? Would you give Him the chance to lift you up? If you will do that, God will minister. He will show himself strong. So I've said it, it's up to you in Jesus' name.
'Cause I am.